0: this is it what satoshi's pouring from the sky stash-
1: gary bennett from the toxic happy hour and twitter spaces it, it turns out uh gary great to have you on the show brother
2: oh thanks man you know we, like we we're just quickly talking about there it's been it's been too long um you've been uh you know a guest on our show uh, you've had us on your show so this is just, that's just a fantastic way just to uh meet up again and have a good conversation
1: 100% and this one is going out for 21ism <laughs> as well. You are the the featured memeer for the uh the next block that is being dropped in the uh the month of September. So that's the reason that we are hooking up again. I'm uh, looking forward to getting into this and we were just discussing what we've brought to the party. I, I have a uh, a German pills uh by my side here.
2: That's good for you. Um what I have here uh most people don't know, I'm in Moldova at the moment. Uh, the capital is uh, Chisinau. Um, right outside of here are some of the biggest wineries in the world, okay? And one is called uh, Krikova. And um, I did a tour and it's unbelievable. I think it's over hundred kilometers of tunnels they dug in 1952 to 1954. And um, it's amazing when you go down in those tunnels, they show you all this wine storage, the whole process. Um, apparently Vladimir Putin had a, a birthday party there in 2002 that they're quite proud of. So all these world leaders, you can go and you see their personal wine stores they have over here. It's absolutely amazing to see. So yes, I have a, a local, um, red wine that, uh, I'll be enjoying as we talk. In, in
1: your little plastic
2: or paper cup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like... You, you know, some of the places I get to stay are, are you know, four and five stars. Um, some of the guys I travel with, they, they value their points, like Marriott or Hilton, so they will downgrade the status of the hotel just to get their points. Right, and that's where I am today.
1: Are you one of those guys?
2: <laughs> I'm not actually. Yep. I, I love the old. Uh, I love the old style um, hotels, the ones that with unique architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know proper uh, history uh yeah th- like this stuff to me that uh, you know you know what this reminds me of this is um was it sephardine when he talked about like fiat architecture and fiat art. I- i'm the same way man like a merit or hill time after time it's the same thing wherever you go i love something that is unique beautiful old absolutely yeah I totally
1: agree and we were just um on the west coast of france at a conference in Biarritz and uh, Caitlin's sitting next to me. She's sitting in for Lauren, who's who's out on a play date today. But uh, the right on the beach front of Biarritz, you have all of these beautiful old stone buildings. Like, you know, they're so majestic. And then bam, like the worst looking shittiest building Sofitel hotel you've ever seen. It's like, oh, look at that. Fiat standard right next to what was clearly built hundreds of years ago and still standing and still looking majestic, right on right on the beachfront.
2: It's amazing how um, architecture and art and Bitcoin are so uh, intrinsically intertwined in a sense. Um, some of the books that really brought me to Bitcoin are things like, uh, there's one, um, I think it was Howard Kunstler, did the, the um, Geography of Nowhere. And by the Geography of Nowhere, what he was mentioning was how Everything in every city and uh, state, especially in, in the U.S. in particular, looks the same. Every time you drive now across the interstate, when you get off the road, guess what? There's a, there's a Walmart, there's a Target, there's a McDonald's. All the architecture looks the same to the point of you build you build something. And what used to be, everyone knew it was a local uh, store, they actually have to put the title country store on it. They put the name Country Store on because there's no there's no architecture anymore. It it is just a cheap uh, imitation of what used to be beautiful.
1: Yeah, and these 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 houses they get thrown up and they they're, they're going to fall down the day the mortgage expires, right? It's uh, it, it's really bad. But before we carry on, Kaden's going to get pretty bored. She was supposed to ask the first <laughs> question as is tradition one of my kids generally asks the first question for those tuning in via 21ism and and haven't heard the once bitten show before that is the shtick uh so caitlin over to you what is your question for uh guy
0: um so i was going to ask why do you like making
2: funny memes
1: whoa 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 that's a bit presumptive (laughs) i loaded you with the question why do you make memes
2: Oh okay. sorry like you, you know,
1: like why do you like making me Right. It, yeah. I mean let, let's uh what, what do you think of that guy?
2: So yeah, um funny I guess is you can ask if people find it funny. That's in the uh it's, it's subjective <laughs> I had yeah. to be Funny it is subjective. Is quite, quite quite subjective. <laughs> um <laughs> what what I found um interesting uh growing up was There are people that could just, they could just write and write and write. We'll say I could read a book where they write for a thousand pages and say nothing. Okay. So when you see that, um, the opposite is a meme. So basically, you know, we'll say a novelist is a failed poet. who's also a failed novella. What that means is the more words it takes for you to express an idea or opinion, you may not be too good at it. (laughs) <laughs> and what I always thought was brilliant about memes was it, memes are the, it's, it, it's the poetry, it's the poems of this age. And when you, within one image or just a few words, can convey a powerful idea, um, that is worth a lot, um, especially when you have uh, sound bites. for example, um, in the U.S., we had, uh, this is you know, you know about Abraham Lincoln, I believe, but he and uh, was it, uh, Douglas had, used to have debates. And politicians in the 1800s, you would have debates. And guess what? The attention span and education of the audience was absolutely amazing. And they would sit there for hours to listen to them debate, and they would speak eloquently and, and deeply. As we move forward and turn into a television generation, guess what we turned into? Soundbite, the sound clips, even from the 1950s, they would put on five-minute, ten-minute sound clips. Today, you're lucky to get five seconds. So memes are the best way to now convey. If you're going to compete in a world of ideas, memes are the only way you can do it today.
1: And you see that? uh, That is very true. In your generation, Uh right? Look at like the, the meme factory of TikTok, for example.
0: Yeah. And also, for example, your podcasts. They go for me. I can't listen to them because they're so long. <laughs> <laughs> they're so long. But if I was to, I don't know, see a meme of your podcast, then that would be better.
1: Go and make one. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you meme a podcast? Yeah, so I know, can... true. <laughs> well, no, actually, that, that is happening. It's, uh, people are clipping the podcasts. Uh, you, in the past, you, you would use Headliner app or uh, SoundCloud, but there's a new app come out called um, Fountain app which is lightning-enabled, so you can uh, stream SATS to the content creator. It's all part of podcasting 2.0, value for value. And now you can clip and transcribe very, very quickly and just put that straight onto Twitter. And Twitter only allows, I think, just under two minutes. So under two minutes of audio, you -hmm. can have a minute to a minute and a half. And they're only going to get better and better. These clips will evolve. You'll be able to put your own little edited video to the background of it soon. Uh, And this is moving so quickly.
2: And, and there's what I would call, you, you talk about um, these podcasts. And a few years ago, hardly it, nothing existed. As it, it became so easy that it, that even I can do it now. And what I was going to say is, now you have a meme almost within a podcast, a, a short snippet. You got to have that hook. And um, you know, what, one one of the popular podcasts um, in Bitcoin is Peter McCormick's. And what's interesting is. When you listen you start to listen to his podcast, the first thing he does is he has a clip from within the podcast to begin it. He finds a sound bite that hook to get you. It's almost like a meme within a podcast. Okay, to get you to keep going. Cool.
1: I need to up my game, you see. Yeah. That's why Pete has like twenty thousand downloads per episode and yeah. I have like fifteen hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any more questions about memes or anything you want to fly past Guy whilst he's here with us?
0: No, not really.
1: No, no, uh, like, Bitcoin insights? Philosophical thoughts?
0: (laughs) To be honest, no.
1: Okay. All right. No, I haven't got anything. Well, you just met a bunch of Bitcoins this yeah, weekend. Yeah, exactly.
0: So I'm Bitcoined out. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs>
1: we were in B.O.R.I.D.S. for the, uh, as I said earlier, we were in B.O.R.I.D.S. for the, the Bitcoin, Surfing Bitcoin conference that was put together by Stack and Sat yeah. in, uh, in France, which is, the equivalent, I guess, to Swan. You know, it's a DCA service uh, for for French people, Ooh. and they put together the conference, and it was great. And I mean, you enjoyed hanging yeah. out with those guys, yeah? Right? No, it was very fun. I mean, they, we we went to a barbecue. We met a bunch of uh, French maxis. Uh, that they all spoke perfectly good English yeah. because, uh, well, Caitlin can speak perfectly good French, but it's you know, tough. I struggle with franglais. Mm. Um So it was. Uh, no, it was great. And I, you know, I tweeted out this morning, man like bitcoin conference FOMO is a massive thing but then bitcoin conference come down is also a thing so it's just it's tough like uh to not be around the, those people uh, and it's so it's so great to to have that exposure but it all comes too fast too quick and then it's gone
2: it, this is very true I, I know obviously with uh covid and travel uh, restrictions last year you weren't able to make it to miami but uh do you think maybe next year you're going to be able to make it
1: fingers crossed mate it's right over my wife's birthday as well so to go out and spend a couple of weeks in in miami would be absolutely perfect yeah, yeah. And, and get the conference in and get the family exposed to more and more people because i think even more and more people are going to start taking their kids uh along to these things uh, i hope so uh, i want to bring all yeah. my family to as many of these conferences as possible because we've got to build these communities and uh, share ideas and, um, you know, push this thing forward as, as quick as we can. Do, should I release you or are you happy sitting around? Do you, do you want to <laughs> say goodbye? Uh,
2: yeah, sure. Well, it was nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you as well. <laughs> so uh, yeah, two in a row. <laughs> two in a row. I, I survived. I survived, I need a T-shirt. I survived Lauren and I survived Caitlin.
1: You have survived Lauren multiple times uh, because she's been on uh, THH with me and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, hanging out with you and Anders. Uh, I bet she's gonna forget to bring back a fresh beer. But uh, <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to text her halfway through. If you see me, yeah. if you see me texting, I'm just sure. texting for a refill. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not it's not like I'm not paying attention. Uh, and um, yeah, you've been on the once and show, you know, outright as well. Uh, that, that was a great yep. rip. Um But uh, we should concentrate, we should get back to the 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 subject at hand you are the the meme artist the featured meme artist for 21ism uh this month Meaning I, I remember when you burst onto the scene it's it's funny uh, i i don't know how or why i was uh we kind of like interjected M- maybe you'd listened to the show before and you were following me and like uh putting some stuff underneath I don't exactly remember how we connected, you know, there's so many connections firing all the time. But I do remember the memes you started putting out. And I thought you were British like everybody else because you know, Pub <laughs> Lord. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. There's a picture of you drinking uh drinking a pint. Nice way to uh you know, kind of pseudonymous little picture there, hiding behind a pint, but um you you, you how long were you lurking before you you started bringing the meme fryer.
2: So, you know, the, the story, it' quite old for some people, of course, but I love to tell it. Um, and I tell it for the next generation of Bitcoiners. Um, you know, I, I came in at the, at the high in 2017. It was in December, man. And um, that first purchase, it, it took four years from my first purchase to actually go green again, because I think it was... <laughs> It was like seventeen thousand six hundred, man. I bought like point point zero zero whatever amount of Bitcoin. Um, well, I found it fascinating. I had heard about this thing, and um, at first, like they say, there's always a two or three tries before you understand it. And I always understood it as the uh, as internet gaming money. I just thought it was like a fake money that gamers use. Man, I was out of touch. Um, I had a friend who. Um, Confided to me, she was so angry because her boyfriend had not let her buy when she wanted, and this is like 2011, okay, and yeah. So her, her one of her best friends who was married, they did buy then. So obviously, there's quite a discrepancy in um, net worth at the moment <laughs> between them. Uh, no, but I felt like, well, what the hell is this Bitcoin? Uh, so. The, fir- the first few months was just trying to understand what this stuff was, like coin, Bitcoin, cash, Ethereum. Uh, so I-, I didn't know. I think it was like, yeah, mid-2018, um, I found out about Bitcoin Twitter. And that's when I, I come across, you know, people like HODL or not was on there, you know, um, American HODL and uh, these guys. But yeah, I was lurking then. So I'm lurking through, you know, just trying to understand what the hell I'm getting into. Uh, but the more you know, you get on that rabbit hole, the more you learn, and then the more uh, convicted you become, the more you understand, the more you believe, uh, the more you want to do. And um, after, let's say, just um, a couple of years, and and the meme, at the time, there weren't a lot of memes or meme generators out there. That's been just a more recent technology. Um, I think it was, uh, let's see, 20, yeah, 20. Early 2020, pandemic hits, and um, at the time, I had met, uh, as you know, Anders from Toxic Happy Hour, and we were and we were talking online or not, but just talking every day, like one or two hours a day, man, just talking in the afternoon. I had no Bitcoin friends to speak of, really. Um, But by that summer, you know, the 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 meme stuff started coming out, and I don't know, it just struck a chord with me. You know, like you say, everyone has. Has something that they want to contribute. Everyone has a, um, you know, everyone has a part to play, and you, you know, I always think back to um, what was the movie with? Uh, oh yeah, uh, Dead Poet Society, and you may contribute a verse. You may contribute a verse, and some do it through podcasts, some do it through articles, some do it through books. Uh, to me, I always love the meme because. One, you can be sarcastic. You can be funny. Um, you can make things sort of irrelevant, satire. Uh, what, it, it was entirely up to you. Um, and it, yeah, I, I just thought it was just a, just a cool uh, tool to get the message of Bitcoin out and to uh, talk about certain truths, um, not only to the Bitcoin community, but to the community at large about what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with the money, how do we fix this? And I thought memes are just a, just a great attack vector.
1: Do you remember the first meme that lit you up? That uh, like, just kind of got you, got you laughing out loud and got you thinking about how can I contribute now?
2: Well, y- y- the ones that really started, I think, for me, was, you know, printer goes burr. That one, to me, just once you hit that button, because honestly, I, I don't know how many people truly understand that we are not backed by gold anymore. I bet if you ask half the Americans out there, a good 30 40% would think we're, we're on a gold standard. They have no idea of what the printing is doing, not only to the, the money, but to their own lives. They don't understand what this printing has done. Everything that they're angry about in the world, but don't know why, is because the printer goes burr, man. This goes back 50 years. 50 years. The year I was born, man. The year I was born, we're taking off a gold WTF standard. happened so, in
1: 1971. Guy Bennett
2: those pops guys, out. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We- <laughs> yeah. Hey, shout to to, to, uh, to, to uh, Colin and Ben, man. Yeah. You know, Heavily Armed Crown and Ben Prentice, because they absolutely nailed it. Um, and you had, so you, you had a, you know what, you had a, a double problem then. And it wasn't just that we're taking off the gold standard. And and this is not a thing against feminism. What this is, is what the price is. What you did is you're taking off a gold standard. And as more women enter the work, you double the amount of workers going into a workplace as you're taking off a gold standard. I mean, you want to talk about a recipe for disaster as far as this, You know, they call it the two income trap, as you well know. yeah, that was it back then. But no one knows it because we're born into it. This is normal. You know what's normal? I don't know, 3 4% inflation every year, prices going up every year. That's normal. That is, that is what is fiscally responsible or fiscally what you, you, you've you known since you were a kid. Prices just get higher. Oh, you get a raise. And, and you don't realize how one is outpacing the other. That's, that's the insidious part of it all. And uh, that's why when Sailor came in and, and finally realized, you know, he talks about being on that melting ice cube. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that realized, you know, screw that two percent, three percent are telling me. It's, it's closer to twenty percent or fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. And so anyone out there that thinks they're doing well in life and you're getting this, you know, oh, I just got a four percent raise this year, <laughs> you're still getting screwed, man. That's that's the worst part of it all.
1: It's, yeah, and, you know, Jeff Booth did a great job as well with his book and the way he frames it. It's like, you know, if that if inflation was framed, you know, I'm going to butcher his quote, sorry, Jeff, but along the lines of we have a mandate to steal anywhere between 2 to 5% of your wealth each year, you'd think differently about inflation. But, of course, we don't. We get all of the Keynesian kind of flabber-jabber that comes along with all of their nonsensical thoughts and inflation is good for the economy and we've got to drive consumption and all of this nonsense uh it's it's funny i remember when i was 19 not 18 18 i was working behind a bar in our local pub and i remember the price of a pint of beer is a pint of fosters went from one pound 70 and then I come in the next day and we were told Tills have been updated. The, the Foster's is now like £1.80 or £1.82 or something. And like, all right. People are not going to be angry about that. Like, there's nothing you can do. That's the price of it now. Like, all right, On with life we go. And then I entered into like an 18 year career of uh, Fiat foreign exchange brokerage and had no idea at all the word fiat even existed i had no idea at all truly how the the you know the internal plumbings of the network and, and everything else worked and fractional reserve banking and all of this kind of nonsense and it's you 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 leave that career and then you face bitcoin and bitcoin exposes you and exposes everything that you would built an identity on and it's a crippler and i think that's what scares a lot of people away from bitcoin rather than saying fuck my whole life has been built on fraudulent bullshit and that's what i've tied my identity to you hide behind as oh, it's to is too, it's too kind of uh, technical for me i'm not a techie or oh i don't know too much about uh, stock markets and things like that so and then they walk away from it because it's too harsh to face that your whole identity has been predicated on a bed of lies.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. And, you know, I've had to deal with that um, myself. You know, I come from a family with a, a proud um, military history in the U.S. Um, from World War One, World War Two, Korea, um, you know, Vietnam. So when you finally realize um, a lot of that was only put in place because of the Federal Reserve and printing of money. And you see these and you have At one relative we brought home from Burma, Uh, we had to do DNA testing, but I had great uncles that were split between uh, different parts of the world. One had gone missing in the Pacific theater and uh, was brought home uh, that went over and fought and died. Okay, for what we now know was probably some central banker, not not the lies and the the patriotism that you're told growing up. It wasn't it wasn't anything that was germane to our family, but you did it because you loved your country. This is just how you were you were raised. So, yes, um, you're absolutely right there. And it's funny you bring to this because I just I hadn't heard in a while, man. So I'm going back. I was listening to um, Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan's podcast again. And I don't know if you ever heard that one, it's about two years old or two and a half, but it's absolutely fascinating because they bring it up, they're, they're talking about the personal responsibility of people, why, why don't you face these facts? So when we're talking about why don't, um, why don't we own up that the money is broken or what I'm doing is wrong, it's hard because it's easier to lash out at the system than it is for you to take responsibility Take responsibility for your actions and try to change your life. It's easier to lash out and, and tear things down than it is to admit when you were wrong, your life was wrong, and then try to fix it and build from there. It's a difficult thing.
1: It's very difficult, mate. And this is this is what it's so weird. And it sounds a little bit woo woo, but this is what Bitcoin does to you. It shines that light on that part of your soul, and you got to face it.
2: You're absolutely right. And, and so, you know, they, the, the joke is, you know, within our, we have a little small group there, you know, Pubby Plows the Fields. And because that came <laughs> out, because I, I put a post of, your, your mind has to be plowed, you have to be fertile, you have to be willing to accept this seed, okay? And there's, look, it's a biblical analogy as well, that you have, you know, if if your mind is hard and calloused, okay. I don't care what kind of seed you put down there, it gets washed away. And for me, those seeds were planted over over 40 years of learning, okay? 40 years of reading everything you can, um, trying to understand what is wrong with the system, knowing that what is wrong with the system has been obfuscated from you, okay? They have literally outright lied about inflation. You think it's normal. And you tr- because you trusted, you trusted the government, you trusted them, you know? And so all those years of reading and you get into um, Ayn Rand, you know, when you mm. get into some of these libertarian thoughts, you, you finally, when Bitcoin pops up, you see it for what it is. When you finally, see, you, you just get it. And once you get it, you can't unget it, as I say. You just can't go, you can't turn away because you found it. Everything that you had, most books are, I always say about 80% problem and then 20% crappy uh, solution. Once you find Bitcoin, after you finally realize we found, we've we got the solution, man. We've got the solution here.
1: It's a 100% solution. Bitcoin fixes this. Um, and it's, it's funny, I want to take you back to the uh thing that you mentioned about the military uh and your upbringing i had never seen i can't remember how i saw it and i had to go and dig the clip out on youtube again just to re-watch it a short clip three to four minute clip of the the way that they were drafting young men into vietnam into the vietnam war in in mm-hmm. what are we talking late 60s early 70s where they yes, were pulling br-
2: roughly probably 68 i would say 67 right. 68 they started drafting yeah
1: the way they were doing that pulling numbers out of a hat so you like the the, the video depicts these guys god knows who they were suits the elite unelected bureaucrats pulling yeah. numbers out of a hat and that was the birth date if i if i'm not mistaken and if your birthday right, fell on that date and you were aged between a certain age, that yeah. was your calling. You're off to the jungle to go and fight a war that is being yeah. predicated on. Uh, it, it was so. God knows what. God knows what. God knows what. We still don't know what that war was probably fought on because we've never been told the truth.
2: To me, it was always a quasi war to say. Um, uh, uh, must, I'm trying to miss the word I want to use here. A, um, a, a you know war between U.S. Russia using other forces is a I can't believe I'm using, losing this word right now. Um, but basically, yeah, it, it's what it never should have happened, never needed to happen. And man, how you know I think we had fifty-three thousand uh, U.S. soldiers that 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 or sorry fifty-eight fifty-eight thousand that that died in Vietnam. How many of those um, were
1: drafted? Do you know?
2: Oh, I, I that part I don't know.
1: Shocking, um, isn't it, to think no, like that, your, the, your your life depended on the, the 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 hand of some guy pulling out a you know a number out of a hat.
2: Yeah, it's, oh, imagine. Well, that's why. Look, you had us, and and it's an interesting what they would call him um, if you didn't like that. You were a draft dodger. Yeah, you were a dodger, man. You were right. you were dodging your duty. Cancel. Um, there are many went there because. Yeah. But it, it, so here's a tough one, because that's a generation. That was a generation that was born from what we call in the U.S. the greatest generation that, mm-hmm. you know, that came back from World War II. They were they were from the baby boom, mm-hmm. that generation. It's it, 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 so interesting. So there were there were many that were there willingly because they saw their father had been a hero. You know, their father had gone and, and fought against Hitler. You know, had fought against Japan, and so yeah, there were many that were still there and and believed this uh, ideology of the U.S. is always right. Okay, you you're raised in that that the U.S. is always right. The U.S. will save the world, and when you're raised in that, and it's hard, it's easy if you, if you don't live in in America, man, it's easy to look over and see how sort of ludicrous that sounds. But when you when you're raised in that. It's like anywhere else, man. Propaganda is propaganda. I don't care mm-hmm. if you're you're in a Soviet Union or if you're in America. You know, you're 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 told certain certain facts. Um, look, you believe them. You trust. You know, you trust when you grow up, grandparents, your parents, your uncles. Okay, so your teachers, um, I
1: don't, your teachers. national curriculum.
2: Don't get don't that. get me going, puppy. You you
1: know <laughs> that's you know that's my my drum to beat. <laughs> But I know, uh, I know. Yeah, I mean, you guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you grew up like uh, pledging allegiance to the flag each morning uh, and perhaps yeah. maybe you still do.
2: Yeah, of course. And, it's, you know, to me... It, that's Is it, that it, a it meme
1: in a, itself? You know, let's ask ourselves this question.
2: Oh, it, is. it is, man. Uh, look, to to make memes, <clears throat> one, um, I, love, I love all the memers in this community. And even if Bitcoin went to zero, I could care less in a way, because I have met so many people that have enriched my life and made me a better human being just through the meme community. Because guess what? You gotta be brilliant to make good memes, okay? There's no dumbasses that are out there making good memes. Okay, so when, when you can get in those camps, you know those guys that are making those memes? They're smart people, man. They are smart people, which I love, you know? And, you know, as we say, you know, was it iron sharpens iron and steel sharpens steel? When you see ideas like that, you get inspired. You have to up your game. And so it it only, it only makes you better, man. And that's what I always loved about this is what are the ideas in the world that need to change? One for me, as I told you, was the money is broken. The system is broken, okay? Those are the, once you come up with the ideas that need to be changed, okay, how do I change them? How and, and look it's, the memes, of course we make a lot for the there's a lot of inside innuendo in the Bitcoin community. Okay, there there's memes you can make. Um hey fuck you, Greg. That's one for you, Greg Saj. <laughs> but uh no but there's memes within the community we laugh at.
1: That'll be the, the little sound that clip. That'll be the little sound clip at the beginning of the uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey fuck
2: you, Greg. <laughs> fuck you, Greg. But it tur- but, that, but that's, an, that's what I call an internal meme. Everyone within the community understands that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm looking more into the memes that filter out. let start within Bitcoin, and we need to get out into the normie world. Those are the memes. Once they realize, hey, what do you mean? What does printer go burr? What does that mean? Uh, wait, we're not – you got to get people to start turning that engine – above their shoulder they got to start thinking a little bit and that's why that's the 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 next outlier of memes for me is getting them back out into mainstream
1: it's difficult it's really really difficult i mean i tell you which ones i mean if you could if you could push some personal responsibility memes out to the to the main street you know please go for it because we i think personal responsibility right now is scarcer than bitcoin
2: yes yes and, and, and it's, not, it's not for no reason, okay? Mm-hmm. The government doesn't want anyone to be personally responsible for themselves. They need you dependent upon them. They don't want anyone that would rather um, suffer and go without a meal and build their own life than not depend upon them. So you're absolutely right. Personal responsibility is the first thing that the government will always take away from you. It's not your fault. You're a victim. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Many times it isn't your fault, but guess what? It's up to you to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Don't, re- don't rely on the government um, forcing others to make up for it. It's not your fault. The government should not be there to tell other people what to do because of the tragic circumstances of your life, whatever they may be
1: yeah and then they turn that narrative on its head pretty quickly whenever they want right it is your fault there's plastic in the oceans there you know it is your fault there you know you um this disease is being spread because you're not following our rules and and all of this kind of nonsense we've had to face this this last couple of years mass confusion
2: yeah and and look at the age at which they do um you know I've been to Cambodia a few times and I'm sure anyone listening to this may not know much about Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, um, but guess how guess how you do it? Guess how you how, guess how you get people to turn on each other? Uh, one, you get rid of the intelligentsia. Two, you turn you turn generations against each other. You know, once they get into the mind of the child. <laughs> sorry not to set you off on this. I I know, man. Once they get into the mind of the child, it, it, it's hard enough where parents are uncool parents don't know squat i get that you know but when you turn it up a level or two it's easy it's easy then you know when kids are turning in parents you've got a generation that are mindless um followers man it's happening again man i see it happening again i'm sure you do as well
1: it's so scary and I've been saying for a little while that these, you know, generational wars that are being pushed on us. I've seen it in the UK, like four years of Brexit. Blame the boomers, blame the boomers. It was the grey vote, and blame the boomers for climate change because they're the ones that have been, you know, burning so much fossil fuels and you know being so wasteful with their consumption, and, and blame the boomers for the price of property because they've got one, two, or three properties and they're just holding on to them and. It's just so bad and then on the other side of things it's Millennials are entitled Millennials are lazy Millennials they think they can just sit around and money's gonna fall into their laps I've been exposed as you have you know your Gen X we we sit between these these two particular uh, generations my God it, it, it's so easy to see the narratives that are being spun and so damn dangerous i've seen it within families where you know you've got the grandkids lecturing the grandparents over you know it's their fault that the the world's going to be burning and there's not going to be any food for them to eat when they're 32 like it's it's
2: such nonsense but they're doing it purposefully yeah no yeah and and that's one thing that it it falls into yeah into with like the jordan peterson joe rogan thing just to get back to Mm -hmm. it falls into that tribalism people don't want their own personal responsibility but they'll find a tribe that they can belong to and all of a sudden you're you're virtuous all of a sudden you're virtuous and you're on the right side of everything and as you say man this is just history repeating itself and it does it absolutely goes back to these these fundamental core areas um language for example and this was one of the, one of the big things was not that you have freedom of speech but now you're being compelled to speak we using certain words mm-hmm. okay this wasn't this wasn't that you were compelled not to comply um i'm trying to think of the best way to explain this um you know you're There are certain things that are are quite obvious, like racism, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, It's one thing to tell someone, don't be racist and and don't don't beat somebody up because of their color. Then it turned into, well, don't even talk about this. Then it turns into, don't even think about this. Mm -hmm. Then it turns into, this is what you should think. This is what you should say. This is what you should do. The pendulum swings from one side way to the other, man. And that's where it's dangerous. When you have an entire um, generation that is now in your faith telling you what to say, what to think, and what to do.
1: I test my kids on this. I test my kids on this all the time. You know, we we might be out in a square and having a cafe, uh, having a coffee at a cafe or, or something. Or um, you know, Lauren loves to come down there and, and she likes to go across and, and buy the croissant or the uh, pain au chocolat, whatever it is. And she might point someone out in the square and say, "Oh, right, yeah, you see that person over there?" Blah blah blah. Now, like, no, which one? Uh, and she she has a specific way of. Tra- I'm like, okay, is it anywhere near that? that black fat lady over there and all the kids will be like you can't say that i'm like i'm seeing a black fat lady over there i'm telling you exactly what i see i'm describing exactly what i see that is not racist that is just objectionable so but and it's like they they get so triggered by it yeah but they don't know why they're getting triggered by it it's just seeped into them somehow and it's like, man, we've got a lot of shit to undo, because a ten-year-old should never have to think about what comes out of their mouth.
2: Yeah, that's um, that's absolutely spot on. And it, what it shows is the power, the power of the media, the power of how saturated they can they can make this world when it comes to this messaging. It's through advertisement. It's through movies, television series, articles online. That same message is just, as they call it, the, uh, you know, the Chinese water torture—the drop of mm-hmm. water on your forehead. That is exactly what it is. You just don't realize it. That we're all—we just don't realize we're 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 in a we're in a sea of this, um, of this propaganda. And yeah, there, there's not many ways out ex- except for. Uh, self-education except for choosing what you consume as far as content you have to make some hard choices out there but you're you're absolutely spot on man
1: it's um it's very worrying because they just keep coming at them the kids especially and with mask mandates now in the schools that is so premeditated to compliance to forming a complete bunch of compliant robots that's the reason they want to mask the kids so they're sat in a class together now they're all looking the same they can't interrupt the teacher they can't discuss big ideas and now they can't even see each other's faces it's sick
2: well the two things there um one yes absolutely uh sick and they're going to do this because the, what you're going to learn is the first time, and I have a, I have a daughter, as you know, Lauren's age, mm-hmm. and that's the big thing we go about with with her with her school. Um, how do you feel about masks? Because of course I'm against vaccinations like that. I'm against the masking, and she's as well. She's against. She's but it's hard because a lot of my friends have masks, and man, they will they will turn up that peer pressure. Mm-hmm. So I don't care. I don't care if you are a, a a grizzled hardened war veteran. Okay, if you're put in that position as a even as a as a twelve year old, eleven year old, you will fall in line pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. People can talk a mean game, but when you go into that school and everyone's looking at you and judging you, and people people that are listening, they remember those days. They remember what it was like to be that age, man. That wasn't easy. So you will fall in line quickly. And that's the worst part of that. They're they getting these kids to fall in line so quickly. It, it, that's what pisses me off. Um, all, of those, all of those choices should be left to the parent, left to the child and not a school district. Especially, especially when you look at the, the CDC rates, when you look at what the actual um, mortality rate is at that age group, you got to be kidding me! You are destroying more lives. You are destroying more lives by uh, social uh, non-interaction than you are by by the disease itself. It's scary stuff, man.
1: It's so bad. We had uh, a case of Corona come through our uh, family two weeks back. The kids, they were down for like I want to say a day and a half. Daddy I got a headache. Uh daddy my legs ache. You know go okay go have some um it's called doliprane here. It's like probably neurofen or ibuprofen or something in, um different parts yeah. of the world and go and have a lay down. They were back the day ne- the, the next day. Like and then then Died. you Over. it's done. They they didn't miss hardly yeah. any of their clubs that they were still doing on on Galileo uh, and um you know tuning into their uh, their their daily daily clubs and lessons whatever it was you know math or you know writing or you know didn't bother them that 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 actually took their mind off it and then you're just like god damn this whole last two years what they've been feeding people and the level of psychosis that they've managed to get people to is unbelievable and it's all been memes as well
2: and it's been a lie and this goes into um you know, we're we're talking about uh, about responsibility. Mm-hmm. So you have a you have a generation of people. I mean, in a way, it's um, God. It's uh, God. It's so insidious. It's imagine you have conditioned people to for fifty years to lose money every year. Mm-hmm. That's basically what you've been conditioned to do. Okay, you condition people to lose money every year and think it's normal. You think it's normal, you think it's normal. And then guess what happens, Um, you need someone to blame. So you just, (laughs) you come up and it's never anyone's fault, is it? It's never anyone's fault. And the most convenient thing people can do by human nature is to, to find someone else to blame. And this reminds me, you know, I, I spent time in uh, Rwanda, and just just a quick history lesson there. Um, you had two you had two uh, tribes, predominantly that had made up Rwanda, the Hutu and the Tutsi. What was fascinating was they had lived beautifully together for generation. The main difference was the Tutsi um, were the ones that uh, raised animals, had milk, all this. The Hutu were basically farmers, uh, lived more on vegetables. So over the years, the, the the Tutsi grew stronger, taller, a little bit bigger because of all the protein. They had meat, they had milk. Um, the Hutu were a little bit shorter. Um, obviously couldn't keep up in, in strength. What's fascinating is when When the Europeans came in to that area, they noticed that, oh, the Tusi, they look more like us. Now, mind you, to be in charge of, to to own all of that at the time, to own all of the, you know, um, that was like cattle, um, but to own that, you're well-to-do, but you're only 10% of the population. So the Tusi was only 10% of the population, but guess what? They got 90% of all the governmental posts when the Europeans came in, because they, the Europeans were reminded they look more like us. Mm-hmm. Before they all lived in, in a in a in a perfect um, economy together. So guess what happens when the Europeans leave? And you're seeing it. What we can talk about Afghanistan later if you want. But what happens when when the colonials <laughs> the, the colonialism leaves? Guess what? Oh, we left you this great thing called democracy. Well, that's fantastic. If you're the Hutu because you you're 90% of the population. And guess what, man, they vote everyone into office, they use propaganda to um, tell everybody every problem you had in life was because of the Tutsi. <laughs> not, not, the, not the neocolonials that came in here, by the way, the Tutsi, they're, they're the real problem here. And this is where the whole thing with Rwanda started. Not a lot of people do enough research there. But um, 6 million the population of rwanda one million were killed in a hundred days man oh my god 1 million. one million man and this wasn't listen man this wasn't like the clinical um like a german gas chamber like not that there's good ways to die no this this was they would shut off the roads they had one main road they would shut off the roads up to the main highway and send their death squads down and you were either with them or against them, so there were families that died together. Families that just um, simply chose, "No, I'm not going to turn on my neighbor," because, as I would say, you either you either stand with them and die, or you come with us. And there are many that that died. Uh, the the um, the the driver we had, he was one of twelve children that survived. He lost eleven siblings. In the massacre. Only one. Yeah. It's humbling when you travel and you hear these stories. But they're life lessons, man. They're life lessons that to bring it back full circle. This is what you're seeing in the world now. The same type of mentality, but it's it's worldwide.
1: It's so I mean, and let's let's touch on Afghanistan and and what's going on there. And and then we'll we'll get on to um you know your your the work that you do and um, everything that, uh, that you've seen and uh, yeah what what what's your take on on the, the, this last few weeks' events?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, part of the, you know part of the nature of what I do, I, I, I can't get into too much. I, I, I will say this. I, <laughs> I've worked at the American Embassy there um, on two separate occasions, but I will tell you this. What has gone on there is a a shame and a stain on American foreign policy um, that I never thought I would see. And when you know you're going to have to withdraw, because this has been going on for years, you're going to withdraw. You do it in an orderly fashion over a long period of time, especially when you have Afghanis that have worked with you for 20 years and you have promised them certain things, listen, you work with us, we will give you safe passage. Those are the people that should have been evacuated a year ago, okay? Those are the people that you should be taking care of first if you know you're actually withdrawing. What we just saw witness here, I, it, yeah, it, it is, it's sad, humiliating. Um, it should never have happened because guess what? We were there for a certain purpose and reason. And as you know, being in the UK, how many soldiers did the UK lose? How many Americans did we lose? How many trillions did we lose? Taxpayer money, for what? For absolutely nothing. We affected no change whatsoever, and if if we knew that, why the hell were we there? Except I retweeted it earlier. Someone had it. People were getting rich in Washington, man. Hmm. People were getting filthy rich, and I don't know, you know, what their background is, it, what type of military contractor stocks they had. People were getting filthy rich, and the lives that they played with, and that's what. It's abhorrent, absolutely abhorrent. Um, this is listen man look we we should have been out years ago in my opinion. again that's my opinion um, but that's not neither here nor there. What we're looking at now is what what was this what this drawdown was like This was the most ridiculous drawdown when you had the Taliban that retook Kabul in a matter of days, you're there 20 years building up this quote-unquote puppet army. That's what it turned out to be a puppet army. To, to let the capital be overrun, and guess what? They're the ones that are dictating the terms of your surrender. We will let these people out if you give us this. Man, uh, I, I'm at a loss. I am truly at a loss for words.
1: Yeah, it must be especially tough as well watching that play out. As, as you mentioned earlier, coming from you know a proud military background. Yeah,
2: that's a tough one. Um, thankfully, that, um, my, that's my not grandfather- soldiering,
1: right? That that's that's not what soldiers sign up to do. That's not what they they want to. They want to you know help and and serve, and not just be on the first plane out because somebody said so.
2: Yeah. So listen, the proper soldier, um, you take lawful commands. That's everything, man. If I'm taking a lawful command, I, I, I do what I'm told to do, uh, when I signed up for, it and what I believe in, and, and that's what I do. Uh, it listen, man, it, how easy was World War Two? <laughs> Pretty damn easy. You're fighting Hitler, right? How easy is that? This guy just that's clear cut. You know what you you know what you're in for. You know what you're in for. This guy is actually exterminating um, the Jewish race. Got mm-hmm. it. Guess what? Sign me up. Um, something I can fight for. Man, the wars just get um, <laughs> foggier and foggier from there, right? I'm thinking Robert S. McNamara, the fog of war, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Can you imagine, like you, know, like you say, you just <laughs> because my number was picked out of a fucking hat, I'm here in Southeast Asia sweating my balls off trying to kill somebody that's in a village.
0: Right. How did my,
2: how did my life get this fucked up? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, so there, there was a break somewhere between what you can call a righteous war in a way. And and what isn't, I don't know. I don't know where that line was broken. Well, probably 1971, I guess <laughs> we call those guys, yeah. but it seems ever since then. look, we took down Saddam Hussein, taken down. Gaddafi, taken down. It seems to be anyone that's against the system, the central banking system, gets taken down pretty damn quickly. And publicly.
1: What, 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 what are you able to tell us about the the work that you do?
2: Oh, I just you know listen, I I help do crisis planning. Um, for American embassies and consulates around the world, so mm-hmm. an event of like a natural disaster, um, you know, in this region there's earthquakes. Um, Haiti. Um, if something happens, we have a we have a plan in place to um, bring out the local staff, especially. Obviously, didn't work in Afghanistan, so Jesus, who knows?
1: Man, that's. Yeah. Uh, um, so you're you're spending a lot of time away from family. Then I mean, this has been your whole career.
2: Well, for the last twenty years. Yeah. Oh. Basically, yeah. How, how, as a race car driver.
1: Yeah. <laughs> how how often are you on the road?
2: Oh, uh, let's say about four four months a year of each quarter. Um, let's we'll say out of it, each quarter about twenty five thirty days.
1: Right. And then uh, once you're once you're back home in the US, that's that's just like a life in the office sort of thing. Or how does that work? Life in the office, man. Right.
2: Yeah, just life in the office. And, and hey, I'm on a regular schedule with Anders and for our show. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's been it's been yeah, it hasn't been great lately because I'm here like he's in Denmark or the last place or he's in yeah technology is fantastic it keeps you connected but there's times you have to wake up in the middle of the night to do a podcast (laughs) it's not as fun then but uh yeah Yeah, when i'm home it's all work time
1: exactly all right so how then has opening your mind to bitcoin and still having your fiat job which is closely linked to uh government and uh you know helping out u.s embassies uh, around the world Man, this, this must be a bit of a, a mind fuck that you're going through.
2: That, you know what's interesting? To me, it's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. And here's how I'll explain it I'm taking, I'm taking my fiat mining, man, my fiat mining, which I may not necessarily agree with, I'm converting it all to Bitcoin, baby. You see? Yes, it pays the bills. Two, I believe in the program that I'm working in. Because I, it, it will help people. It does help people. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, man. At the end of the day, guess what? That fiat coming in, boom, right over to Bitcoin.
1: So you must, that must give you hope that your your retirement is going to be pulled a lot further forward than you would been thinking about three years back before you kind of found Bitcoin.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I stopped contributing to my retirement account once I found Bitcoin and understood it. Retirement account gets cut off from donations and contributions. Now everything gets piled into Bitcoin. No brainer. No brainer to me.
1: Do you are you one of these guys that has like a kind of once Bitcoin hits a certain number? I'm able to peel something off and then I'm done. I can go and work on what I want to work on. Uh, Perhaps we can go and live where we always wanted to go and live. Uh, How how do you think about that? Because this is always a topic on people's minds.
2: Yeah, Yeah, so it's funny. Yeah, hopefully, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, man, but we're going live tomorrow night about the same time. If you want to jump on with us, man, we would love to have you. Yeah, let's do it. Um, So check this out. And I ask this to Anders, and and trust me, you get burned. You get burned at the stake if you bring it up. Mm. I always say, at what price do you stop buying Bitcoin? (laughs) At what price? You've you've already done a heavy lifting. You know, you've you've all you've gone down that road. You you go from like I say for me from seventeen thousand to three thousand four hundred. You're you're stacking your ass off. Look, at, at $300,000, what the hell am I even doing anymore? Why am I still buying? There is a price point, man. And you, and you shouldn't, as you know, Bitcoin Twitter will eat you alive forever saying this. But there, look, there's a price when everyone has to take some chips off the table. Or guess what? You cash out because you're okay. You can retire now. It's okay to cash in Bitcoin. I'm the one, I'll say it, man. It's okay. So when I bought it at twenty dollars. I'm going to tell him now, no, don't be selling your shit at, at fifty thousand. You weak, you weak, handed asshole. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> there, there is that price point, man. Everyone's got their own. I have a I have a number in mind myself for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, yeah, I, that's what I listen. I love and hate Bitcoin Twitter at the same time. I love and hate all those assholes on there. Well, They're this beautiful.
1: comes back to what what you were talking about earlier about following a tribe, right? So, I mean, we got to yeah, admit yeah. Bitcoiners are a tribe.
2: I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, but yeah, but within that, that yeah.
1: tribe, God damn, there's a lot of kicking each other in the balls and spitting in each other's mouths and like, you know, slapping each other down. It's not like we're all just this one great big zombie <laughs> tribe. I mean, you know, fix the money, fix the world. We can all get behind that and certain other memes. But... Yeah, everything else that comes along with it, it's a pretty ramshackle kind of unorganized assholes. <laughs> it's so yeah. far um, it, trying to find the ultimate truth.
2: Yeah, it's no, it's a beautiful thing because the backgrounds, the backgrounds everyone has is quite varied. Oh my God. The come into this place. From people that have a background economics, art, um, different finance, it's stunning to me, which I love. Like different religions, at the time, right?
1: Different religions,
2: true. Different, different religions, man.
1: I mean, you've got God knows how many thousands of religions out there, and all of a sudden they're converging on this one thing. And what's interesting is that they're trying to pin it all back to their own religion. Uh, and see, this is it, it's, it, it's a real weird dynamic to watch, but at least they are meeting each other, conversing, having these thoughts, shared epiphanies. Um, yeah, it's great. And, and you know, I, I came from foreign exchange. You, you work for, um, you know, like
2: uh, or for the a government
1: cr- crisis planning yeah. for a government. But here yeah. we are having conversations, discussing big ideas. Yeah. We would never, uh, ever have crossed paths otherwise.
2: Never. Absolutely not. I, I'm I'm totally convinced of this. Uh, no, no, don't, don't get me wrong, because um, I'm a big fan. Do you know, have you read John Taylor Gatto? And yes. it works by him? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, hey, hey, look, no cell phone. I know about John Taylor Gatto. <laughs> so, yeah, that should impress you anyway. Um, but that was part of my educational experience to find Bitcoin. It's reading John Taylor Gatto. It's reading... Ayn Rand. It's reading the stoics. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's reading all of this. That once Bitcoin came to me, it's a low-hanging fruit, man. I just reach up, I just pluck that thing off a tree. Others come late to the game and they gotta climb that tree. They gotta climb that tree as hard as they can. To me, it was easy because of the work I did. I didn't realize I was doing work. I just had been spending my life understanding the system was broken. Reading about why the system is broken. So once you understand how and why, from different angles, the system is broken. Once Bitcoin shows up, it's a no-brainer, man. When do you it's think was the first
1: time that you you kind of realized the system was broken? Like, uh, were you are you talking high school, college, nah. you no know, entering into like uh, your your career? And seeing, I mean, you must have seen some broken systems around the world, man. Holy shit. You, you've been to like some some crazy fucked up countries in, in crazy weird situations as well.
2: So the first um, book that really had an impact on me, I remember, I think I got it as a present when I was 10 years old and it was uh, Walden by Henry Thoreau. Okay. So... What was interesting to me because Walden was about you know simple living basically um basically he, i i went off to the to the woods to to get to the marrow of life and find out what you know is good and true and as a kid i'm thinking man i get i'm in this huge house in america all this um the the cabin he described, I believe, is let's see, ten was ten fifteen feet by, or sorry, ten feet by twenty. It's only three hundred square feet, but it, it's not much. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, let's see, uh, th- for you three three meters by. We can do feet. We'll say nine <laughs> meters. No, it's okay. No, but my point is this.
1: Now do yachts.
2: <laughs> now, to, yeah, yeah, now do yards. <laughs> No, so what was what was brilliant to me was I never really thought about at that time, what can you live upon? What do you mm-hmm. really need to live? Yep. Okay. So when I read Walden and learned about simple living and voluntary simplicity at a young age, it was something that just stuck with me. Even today, um, my my is only twelve hundred square feet, man. It's a it's a it's a small little place, but I, I love it because i don't need anything else okay that was my first step into the bitcoin journey
0: mm-hmm.
2: okay Just not needing a lot so everything everyone does that's why i said everyone comes from different angles me it started with simple living simple living you don't need a lot um and the expansion of credit as you see now look, look what's going on with um housing prices mm-hmm. housing prices are going for what reason who needs these homes like an average price 500,000 dollars are you kidding me ludicrous ludicrous
1: it's beyond ludicrous mate if you think about it like you know i i choose london just because it's an easy example but you've got like a three bedroomed terraced house same bricks same plumbing that housed 12 eight-year-old chimney sweeps back in 1850 now going for three and a half million like it, it, i mean yeah how does that even it doesn't make any sense so you've thrown on uh, a few new windows and the kitchens and bathrooms look nice and uh but but still like the the actual core of that house is the exact same as it was the day it was built But nobody questions it. They just think, oh, it's in a good area. And, uh, you know, it's in a good catchment area for the local school. And that's the best school that you want to send your kids to. Just completely blind to the effects of the amount of ridiculous money, print to go, burr that we were talking about your favorite meme. Yeah. And it's not going to stop.
2: Yeah. And and that's the problem. But here's the thing. And I always joke about this. When everyone, in a couple of years, when Bitcoin's at a million dollars, The first person that tells me I got lucky gets punched right in the fucking face. (laughs) Because it's not luck when you read things like Walden when you're 10 and it, it plants a seed inside of you. It's not luck when through college you start seeing what's going on. You take responsibility for your life and you start building your life on fiat currency. Yes, as it were but you build a life. And then when you decide to take a chance, when you hear about this crazy thing called Bitcoin, and you're going to, don't let anyone, if anyone's listening here, don't let anyone tell you it's luck. Because you you were born for this. You were built for this. If you're this far along, you understand because you are smart. And don't let anyone ever punish people that are smart.
1: Mate, it's so true. The whole lucky thing, Is just such a fiat mindset. You know, people say to me, oh, you're so lucky you got to travel around the world with your wife and four kids at the age of 37. I'm like, I quit my fucking job to do that.
2: There was no luck involved
1: in me. There were lots of sleepless nights of me coming to that decision with my wife, Claire, and talking it through and trying to plan for the future. A future we had no idea would, you know, behold. Because you just... How can you plan for that? We're gonna take the kids out of school and travel to world, travel around the world with them. Like, no, that's you can't plan for that. It, what's gonna happen is gonna happen. You better be ready to think on your feet. There's no luck, but because people are afraid to make those decisions and take that personal responsibility, like you were saying earlier, they've got to find fault in it. And the fault is you're lucky. You're just lucky. Yes. Stacking sats is not it, lucky. The, the hoops you have to jump through, or had to jump through, even when you were buying, it wouldn't. There would not have been a DCA app for you to go and just like download and you know sign up within two minutes and with the, get a ten free bucks like at Swan. Like nowhere way in the world yeah. that was around. Like you had to yeah. work for it. And yeah. the, the first time you buy it, and the first time you transfer it to your hardware wallet, all of this shit is so nerve wracking. No luck.
2: Yeah. Yeah, about, I, I shit my pants the first time I sent I sent Bitcoin <laughs> into, I don't know, I, I thought it went out in the outer space <laughs> yeah. before it would hit into the wallet. I had no clue. I saw it went to zero, and I had no clue where it went. But no, you're absolutely right when it comes to the fear. And, and this is a state of, like, can we call it fear porn? It's like fear porn. What they people put love out it there, Yep. They, and that's why that's like you know an underrated movie. I and I know underrated to the masses. I know you know the Truman Show. The Truman right. Show mm-hmm. absolutely encapsulates this entire idea. This guy under the the panopticon, the panopticon that the entire life to break through, to finally get it. I. Man, that, there's a meme right there, man. I have even thought about it, but man, that's a Bitcoin meme. Is the Truman Show
1: finding the door we in got, the dome?
2: Ah, finding the Bitcoin in this yeah. world.
1: Well, opening that yeah, door man. and just seeing, like, like seeing opening, the sun for the first time—the actual sun, like, and, yeah. with a big B sign on it. You know,
2: <laughs> like, hey, and all the Maxis are on the outside. Come on, Truman. And Come the, on,
1: the Truman, beauty the is, the, the beauty is, he found it by sailing. Right, he was on a boat. He just didn't have the private keys to lose yet, but uh, he was on the lifeboat.
2: Yeah, con- conditioned, conditioned uh, right to be afraid of the water. Oh,
1: uh, I'm looking forward to the meme that you're gonna you're gonna generate from this. I know you're gonna be on wow. image Im- image flip or something later, or like uh, meme generator. Uh, uh, yeah,
2: meme meme generator free. Is, By the way, free. Is that what you use? A, you, like, yeah, it, that's it. Yeah. Listen I to that.
1: Listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. Pubby just told you the barrier to entry to start contributing. And you may contribute a verse, as he said earlier. You may contribute a meme for free. Go do it. What's what's stopping people?
2: Um, that's a good question. And, and I'll tell you what. There are certain memes I do that don't come from a meme generator. So there, there, there's two things I come up with. I either see a photo Sometimes you'll just see a photo and then the idea hits you. Mm-hmm. This is the meme. Sometimes you get struck with a meme idea and then you go in search of the photo. Those are the, those are the two ways I do it. Um, no, that's no, an excellent point. Um, yeah, so yeah, when I start, I'm bored sometimes. I'll just go through the meme generator. I just start looking through all the images they have. And something will strike me but no or, or I read an article if I read a good article or I, or I see something that's happening um in the world I had this idea that I got to get out and then I just start searching um how can it best expresses in the best way better and as well the funniest way I should say mm-hmm. <laughs> like like I mentioned yeah the funny memes well, funny is subjective, as you say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what took you onto Twitter spaces? Because you seem to be like uh, constantly there whenever I'm... Uh, I, yeah. I've I've not ventured down that path. I've been a fly on a wall at a, on a few of them. Uh, I showed up on one time that um, and we got to chat very, very quickly. Um I don't know, I I just haven't, I didn't kind of um, connect with Clubhouse too much either. I've hosted a few things and uh, I'm helping out uh, with uh, more homeschooling stuff on Clubhouse where we're having weekly conversations to help people understand alternative education choices. But you seem to have found a stride. Uh, Toxic Happy Hour, you were doing great, great work, you and Anders, and I can't wait for that to get reignited. But you definitely seem to have found a little bit of a stride with with Twitter Spaces as well. So I'd like to pick your brain about that thought process and the kind of conversations you've been having, and you know how, how it's affecting your thinking and uh, connecting with community.
2: Yeah, I mean, a fantastic question, man. Um, so I think the the beautiful and brilliant part about Twitter spaces um one not that basically i called it the poor man's clubhouse (laughs) clubhouse was this elitist fucking place apparently you had to have apple to even go in there that's right i i never i never even knew it i never went into um clubhouse so at jack and i jack dorsey from twitter and i we have this crazy relationship where I love him and hate him at the same fucking time. Right. Um, the, the guy that loves Bitcoin, but also quashes um, individual um, views. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. So, but what they did brilliantly at Twitter is they opened, they started the thing call spaces. Um, or guess what? You just jump in. Um, over a certain number of followers, you can, um, yeah, you start your own group up to 12. I believe, listeners. And you can talk about anything. You just, hey, I wanna start a group. You put a title in there. Sometimes I, just, I would do it as toxic happy hour, whatever thought of the day was. And people jump in and they can re- request to speak or not, or just listen. Um, so democratic, man. So democratic. And what was so interesting to me was the way information could go out. So, people that had a a certain standing within Bitcoin, as far as knowledge and all that, look, you get you get some credibility, you get invited to speak, right? So, what's interesting was the noobs that would come in, and, and it dovetails nicely. It dovetails nicely into. Anyone that started just like, we'll say, in March and April, okay, even at, even at $60,000 Bitcoin, you at least understand people that have been here for years. You get to hear, you know, your Jeff Booth, you're Greg Foss. You get to hear these guys sometimes on stage and actually get up on stage and ask them a question. Whereas a couple of years ago, guess what? <laughs> what question? Read, read the Bitcoin Standard, dumbass. That's Mm -hmm. what you get. So what I thought was brilliant about it was the interaction between the plebs, as I call them, or the plebs, as others. (laughs) (laughs) You and 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 Preston stand
1: alone on that one, I think.
2: Yes, I know. I know we do. I know we do. Um, But what I loved was the interaction that was at play there. Um, You can jump in. You can jump out. Especially, look, time is valuable. When you have guys that have been in Bitcoin for whatever number of years and they're doing, like, we have to set up this podcast time at the listen, you send an invite, I can do, like, I do for you, man. You can, you jump in. If you're there for 10 minutes, jump in. You got something to say, say it. Then, boom, you jump out and get back on your life. But these, these are just long rolling, man. You can just let them go. There's some I've been in 10 years now. They took. They got feedback from us, like, "Well, why the fuck can't I have a co-host?" Because at the time, oh <laughs> yeah, I guess late at night, I just shut. I shut it down. A co, it's a, it's a twenty four seven, um, just Bitcoin show of the cream rises to the, the top. Honestly, the best speakers will always come in. The ones that I want to say get voted off stage, but people recognize quickly. They really don't have anything that they're adding. And then you're out. So to me, what I love about spaces was just the reach you could get. The reach that is out there and the voluntary reach is freedom. You come in if you want or you don't.
1: Man, that's awesome. I need to, I need to start checking it out a little bit more, I suppose. I need to uh, carve out a little time in a day when uh, I could just jump in on some of these things and, and take a listen.
2: Or do, or do your own, man. The, fu- the fucking Princey Hour. Call <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> Honestly, man. Yeah,
1: true. True. I, I'd sure. never even, I just, I'd, I'd never thought about well, doing that. Which is stupid, right? Because think- I've got the pod. So like, you know, I, I'm happy to talk about Bitcoin with any, anyone of any standing and, you know, any pleb at any time. Uh, so spaces yeah. should make sense. Uh, I don't know.
2: It should make the most sense to you, right? It honestly, th- this should be like a weekly show for you. Hell, set it up at a weekly time, and just set up one guest if you want. And you, and here's a great. Well, listen, let me. I'll, I'll, I'll forewarn you. Mm-hmm. My job is basically telling people, "Hey, turn." I, I turned off people's microphones, right? And, and I accept people as guests, and I kick people off when they haven't said something. So that's your job. Is a- the one thing I've learned most from listening to you and, and others is shut the fuck up as a, when you're a host, shut the fuck up. That's the, the best lesson I've ever learned. <laughs> so this is what I do. So I'm there. I'll interject, but usually I'm just turning people off. Like, Nope, you're done. Wait, who? <laughs> All right, come on up. Yeah. You're
1: just directing your traffic.
2: Show, dir- you're directing traffic, man. And your show is perfect for this format. This is what I try to explain to Anders, man. Mm-hmm. I was trying to explain this to him. Here, that's the brilliant part of it all.
1: Anders Are, Anders you, is a talker. You, you, you can't stop he's, Anders. He's you know, he's Yeah, he's, yeah. He, I, his cord is constantly stuck out. Like you know, he's he's yeah. gotta go. I love him.
2: He he talks until he forgets what he's talking about. I love him too, man. <laughs> do you remember that, that's true?
1: Do you remember that first toxic happy hour we did? That that was the best. Yep you just you just had to keep interrupting him and like 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 just just stop yeah just stop it was so funny what those early episodes uh watching those and the interaction you you two guys had was was so funny but he learned and he he ran it in and it was uh it was it was great to see over time
2: and, and this is what's quite interesting to me with the spaces mhm you talk about something that Absolutely destroys an old way of thinking, and this is what you're finding. Because what it used to be, and I, I'm trying to explain to Andrew, is me and Andrew's talking, or you having a, a video, and then people join your chat to listen to the two of you. Well, yes, they can see you. That that's an advantage, okay. But what's fascinating with faces is whether you see each other? Now, you have your own little avatar. But the brilliant part is you jump in and now and the best part of, of toxic happy hour to me was always the fact we would in, we would include the get the 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 people in the chat, man. Mm-hmm. We would try to you talk, say, hey, so and so is in this space. Oh, hey, check this out. So what's fascinating to me was spaces, man. It it basically brings that all together, doesn't it? Because you can be sitting there and having a conversation with speakers on stage and people jump up jump down it, it, it changed the game so now it, it looks sort of ridiculous some of the shit we do on on youtube
1: well on toxic happy hour who did you have um bomb the show i think preston came on out of nowhere like was wasn't he sitting in the chat yeah. and he came on right with uh, pierre Rochat? um yeah 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 sorry. yeah so oh, it, ha- it, it- yeah. Who who have you had come in on on spaces? Have you had any like uh, random guys that you you've really respected come and drop by and say hi? Oh
2: uh, yeah, Gre- Greg Foss especially. Nice. Greg Wesley, yeah, I, he was down in Miami. So Greg Foss is such a good dude, man. Mm-hmm. Such a a great man. And uh, yeah, there's times I'll send one out to him, and he'll jump into the space, even if he only has ten minutes, he'll jump in there. Right. Hey, puppy! You know his way. <laughs> that raspy little voice he has, I love. Uh, yeah, so yeah, a few that you can jump in and jump out. It's a it's a brilliant space, honestly. Yeah. All right, man.
1: I'm going to start looking at it more. Before we sign off, mate, i <clears> want <throat> to ask you a few more questions about memes. What sure. was your first meme you threw out there? Do you remember it?
2: Yeah. um
1: Bitcoin meme, I should I should clarify.
2: Oh, I think there was one I'm trying to think of the actual photo, but it said, get ready. Oh, it was from um, oh god it Game of Thrones mm-hmm. was seen from there and it and I said get ready, the memes are coming. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first meme I ever did, man. And
1: you get weren't ready, lying.
2: Are, no, get ready. The memes are coming. And that was what, the first one I sent it
1: what's the favorite meme you've put out there and you know I don't know how you judge or rank them uh, by whether you get likes or retweets or just how you felt creating it um you know what what was the inspiration behind it what what was the favorite one you put out there because uh, a lot of the times you'll find like uh, I don't do so many memes but you know I'll, I'll put out text and the stuff that you're just is consciously in your mind and you just throw out, it gets like, God knows how many ret- stuff that you've thought about and you're trying to craft gets like donuts and tumbleweeds. So what, what's been your experience? What's your favorite one?
2: This is a scientific fact. The more time, thought and pleasure you put into a meme, the worse it will do. <laughs> yeah scientific fact dude the the one the dick joke, as it were the dick stroke <laughs> boom forever <laughs> forever <laughs> Laura forever no so yeah there have been so many man that some of the video ones I love um <laughs> I can send you one one of my favorites I did was um I forgot what I forget the movie name but it's one where where Hitler is having a speech with his generals. Right. And I had done Down, downfall. I had done yeah, downfall. So I had done an overview of him as Peter Schiff. I love it. Talking about, yeah. So that was one of my favorites to do as far as if you've ever bought Bitcoin, please leave the room. Yes. Everyone leaves the room. And and the pointing on the map by the generals. Um, you know, the stock to flow is going here. That's yeah. one of my favorites that I ever did. Um,
1: were you just pissing yourself so, when you were when you were writing all that out? Like, uh,
2: yeah. Oh god. <laughs> you, you know, it's yeah. It, this is the joyous part of it all, man. Because you you know you're drinking a beer, you're you're putting this together, and I'm at a point where I'm doing this shit on my phone, so I'm trying to collect. The the minutes and second part, like five minutes point whatever seconds. I'm trying to figure out the timing of all the <laughs> all the, to, subtitles. To lim- to the, the
1: subtitles to lip sync the the subtitles. Yes, right. yeah, right.
2: It, it's a labor of love, man. It is a labor of love. I don't sit there. I'm trying to figure this shit out. Like, fuck. Okay, point to here, and I'm writing <laughs> shit down. I'm drinking beer. I'm watching. I'm watching Twitter. I'm trying to keep up. But those things did that's my joy in life. That's my, my total joy is knowing no one has ever created this before. Yeah. People people are gonna laugh at this. I know this. And that and it's the the anticipation. The anticipation of knowing
1: the comments when you
2: hit sent the light when you hit sent yeah. you. Know, you know it's coming. You know, I love it is that coming. one.
1: That's that's my favorite one that, that you've put out there. Um, what what about your favorite still one? Just just the picture and um, the caption.
2: So one so one of my favorites is not necessarily a still one, but the templates. The templates are amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and here's what I mean. Um, and I, I could do one tomorrow, next day, and all this, but like um, the American chopper. The dad mm. and the son going back and forth. The dad's angry, son responds, dad's still angry, son responds, dad's angry, son walks off. Let, let's that let's one, let's
1: like this is the um the T V show of the guys that build motorbikes, right? You got Paul yes, and Paulie yes. or something. Like yeah. You, you got the, the the dad with the big handlebar moustache and yes. Paul, right, yeah, right. Yes. I love those.
2: So that what so that one to me it, it, that's, right in my, that's right in my wheelhouse of, <laughs> I understand those arguments, and I can jump in here. And by the way, I had done one about, um, this is back when Elon Musk uh, had come in to talk about Dogecoin. Mm-hmm. And I had the old man talking about, he's a new uh, Doge developer. Because this is when Elon said, uh, yeah, you can, <laughs> I've been in talks with the developers. Okay, so on the one hand I said <laughs> the old guys, I'm the lead doge developer for Elon Musk. And the kid's like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no development. Because <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm the boss. So what was cool about it, I put this out like you, you like you were talking, man. You were saying I I could spend two hours putting a video one together mm-hmm. and just get like five likes. I put that one together in one minute, one minute, over ten thousand. No way. Yep. Honest to God, one minute I put that together in one minute, and that's the best meme I ever did. I'm sorry, not the best meme, most popular meme. Right. Because, like you say, you know, someone that you mean, there's so many of you cry about and you like. This is the most brilliant thing I've ever thought. <laughs> 2 likes later. <laughs> 2 likes later, you get, you get fucking nothing. Funny yeah, but subjective. No, that one, hey, look man, that shit just gets you know when, once it starts getting retweeted, it was funny. I mean, I thought at the time for I remember it I retweeted
1: up. it. I liked it. I probably commented on it on it as well. I, I I really did enjoy it. Um, what about your the college kid? You use that one of uh, or you that there's a you know like oh, i don't know what the original thing ever said like but it's like convince me i'm wrong and you you write your own thing on um and he's sitting there with a cup of coffee and uh
2: yeah yeah so that one yeah i had to pin that tweet just to um you know you know some of the group i run with they like to steal that shit and run off with it Because that really goes down. That really goes back to uh, stealing stealing a meme, which I would never. Uh, You can steal a template, but never steal a meme. And and people were stealing this as their own, and it was basically. um, I'm trying to think. uh, I I think I wrote on that template. Bitcoin has been in a bear market since 2009. I'm sorry, a bull market since 2009, changed my mind.
1: That's right. Changed my mind. Yeah.
2: Changed my mind. Bitcoin's in a bull market. In, because just to get people, the meme is around. Take out your perspective. Back yep. it out. And then look at it again. And all you're going to see is this line is going straight up. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I put that out there. And what's funny is and I, and not that I really care much. The one... There are people that will take it and they'll put it into different forums or they'll, they'll screen grab it and then claim it as their own, which is fine. Personally, I think there should be a professional meme standard for people.
1: <laughs> oh, no. You, you're going to start the, the meme is round roundtable or something like that, like the the mining council. I oh, know, man. Hey. The memeing
2: council. Hey, there I you put- go.
1: That's what you should do. Yeah, Yeah, you you should and you you should invite Sailor to come and uh, like chair it for you, just to uh, see. You know what's the funniest meme here?
2: Oh no, my goal is to wait for Sailor to ask me to be on my show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, who's your favorite other memer?
2: Son of a bitch! What you're gonna put me in that position? (laughs) You know it. Oh god uh you know what there's so many that are brilliant for so many different reasons um some for ideas some for the medium they choose because some are like video some are good at uh the words um i'll go with uh, listen uh, here's an underrated one plan marcus i fucking love plan marcus he comes up with some good stuff um I will say also yellow because fuck you, Greg, you dropped him off in Miami of Ohio, you son of a bitch. Um, yeah, I'll throw a shout out to them. Lara Hoddle, let's go, man. Uh, Sweet Toshi, I'm just going to of everyone. that They always have brilliant stuff, man. God, oh, who's the other one? There's a, there's a few more. God, I feel bad that I'm, I'm going to miss out on so many, man.
1: The meme Absolutely. tards, they're the council, right? Uh, you know, it, uh, me-
2: yeah, yeah, they didn't include me, did they? Oh,
1: the, meme the meme- <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. big Sean looking at you, big Sean. <laughs> uh,
1: it's it's a great bunch of uh, it's it's so fun on there, and um, you know the, the the whole toxic maximalist thing is is such a Fiat meme that uh, gets squared at us.
2: But you, you see what's brilliant here, Daniel, is this. The Maximus tag was meant as an insult. Yep. And the greatest thing a meme can do is you take that, you own it, and you turn it into something that is powerful. And that's what we have done that's what we've done here we've taken what was meant as an insult and turned it into something i think is brilliant and beautiful really
1: and and binds us together and makes us stronger and you know more committed to uh, to to educating as many people as we can about about bitcoin all right man well i've got to end on the orange pill question don't i i don't well, remember who you yeah. who you wanted to orange pill Back in the day when you were on the Once Bitten podcast. So Mm -hmm. let's do it again. If you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why?
2: Mm. I wasn't expecting this question again. So yeah, I'll rethink it. Um, Just an individual in a way. If I could find just an individual out there. because I don't want this to be an obvious um, oh, the president of the United States, um, perhaps. Uh, I think I said last time Vladimir Putin. I think I said Putin last time because I thought if, if he starts with Russia, the Americans would jump in. Hey man, I want, I want this orange pill to go out to your blue collar worker, man. Does the average guy on the street in America Whoever he may, Joe Blow, we'll call him, mm-hmm. Joe Blow, Orange Pill, him, because once he gets it, his friends will get it, and we'll start from the bottom up on this.
1: It's it's so weird that this uh the, the 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 last more than handful of shows I've done, maybe last twenty or so, we get to this point, and you know I asked that last question, and I started this pod back in Jan, end of Jan twenty, and. All throughout 2020, the the narratives around the answers to this question were like, um, I hate the word influencers, but you know what I mean, like, uh, or, or celebrities or sports stars or presidents or prime ministers or whatever. Look what's happened since then. We've had the CEO of Twitter we've had the CEO of microstrategy no I mean no one knew who seller was to be honest like microstrategy were just a blip on the landscape but you know what he's done since he's come in so we've got the corporate world on board we've had president um, from uh, El Salvador taking a country onto uh, a Bitcoin standard we've had numerous sports stars come out whether they're NFL or IndyCar or soccer stars or, or whatever else. UFC, you know, boxers, it's happening, and we've come full circle now. Where I ask this question, and I get answers like this: "It's back to the plebs." Like we, it, it it's like a cycle itself. It's it's a weird cycle. It's like we've ticked, 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 ticked all these boxes. Buster Rhymes the other day, like so. Now we've got um, you know pop music and um, rap music and yeah. whatever else you want to call it sorry buster if i'm doing you a disservice but uh you know it's another tick um central bankers who cares like who cares like don't want them to get it no one does no you know that they've been controlling the game board for far too long it's time we flipped it and we know how to flip it it's only a matter of time it's inevitable and to get answers like this now takes this kind of full circle back to the pleb. And it's just really great.
2: There's um, something you mentioned there about flipping the board. This goes back to, especially with, and, and I implore you, uh, please uh, re-listen or listen to Joe Rogan and Jordan mm. Peterson, because it comes down to flipping the board in the sense of, um, the young kids that were shooters at Columbine, Mm -hmm. they wanted to flip the board. They couldn't, they didn't see a future for themselves. So they flipped the board, but they flipped the board in an obviously unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. They flipped the board by killing other people and leaving the world a little bit worse than it was when they arrived. So listen to that and understand. Yeah, if you want to flip the board, that's fine but flip the board in a way that you're going to leave the world a little bit better. Bitcoin is the hope for you. If you're thinking about flipping the board, check out Bitcoin first, because mm-hmm. I guarantee it will, it will help you along the way.
1: hundred percent and a great place to leave it, mate. That's, that's really nice. And I'm going to go and download that big thanks on behalf of uh, the 21ism guys for you stepping up and, being the meme of, of this block. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time, mate. You got it, brother. Take care, man.
0: Huh? i huh? Yeah. I told my lordie to take a look inside the dark market. Upload the Bitcoin to going car shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Wanted me to check out your music page, you not popping? Knock gas yeah, out like Bernard Hopkins huh. I got a computer geek, white boy, you go to John Hopkins huh? One Bitcoin worth $8,000, yeah. let's get it Something the it. off the browse browser support product and flipped it huh? He just needed to drop Addy for where they gon' ship it yeah. It wasn't a scam, he read the forms before he made a decision <laughs> Until he ran into his man, kid yeah. Told him we can do this shit legally, no need for perifinil nah. nah. Just keep your word, I heard here nah. somebody That'd kill me. I'm on a Coinbase base looking kind of familiar, like I've been here before. I see the transaction on the blockchain, you got to spin with your boy. Shoot me the address of the wallet, and I'ma send it tomorrow. Just make me want run up and all black on the horse like Zorro. It'd be best to control the temperature pop up. Put a nigga ass in the footy nails, there won't be nobody there to help me. Coinbase base layout's super easy, it's no way I can fail you. Use the VPN so the boys have no way to trail you. The move at fast pace, I had to control the hash rate. Divide you want a Bitcoin decrease? It was a bad day. Massaging his eyes, use yeah. bitches' backs as an ashtray. Yeah. Skate on bitches like yeah. Cascade. Cascade. I'm out. Cascade. My lordy got a Bitcoin ATM in his living room. Yeah. All of the cash I had in my pocket, I wanted to different give it to him. Yeah. With the vision I'm vicariously living through. Yeah. I told my bro, it's a way yeah. that we can make money, even though it's different for him. Huh? He got a new job contract, want huh? me to rip it for him. Yeah. Told me any ideas I had in my mind, go ahead and picture it to him. My dudes bust in the room like, what are you don't give me that bag. Don't give me Yeah, to I told way. my lordy to take a look inside the dark market. Upload the Bitcoin. We call card shopping. Yeah, you wanted me to check out your music page. You not popping? Knock gas out like a yeah. Narwhal. Got a computer geek, white boy, he go to John Hopkins. Huh? One Bitcoin worth huh? $8,000. Let's, Let's get it. Salt yeah. the vendor from Tom Brown's product and flip it. flip it. He just needed a drop it. it for what they Let's going go ship go it. It. And it wasn't a scam, he read the forms before he made a decision. Huh? Until he ran into his man's huh? griller. Huh? With the raps and the Bitcoin, we could make 11 million. Hit. Get a dose of meat inside of Medicine Hill, you huh? hear me? I'm Bob, Bob Lordy. i